Hi guys, and welcome to episode 94 of the Optical View Podcast. Today I have on Cone from Psalm 41. We go through all kinds of crazy different things, fun questions. He even tells us a story about how the band almost died on a crazy road trip. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I know I did. I'll see you in the next one. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast. Today I'm super excited here to be joined with Cone from Sum 41. How's it going? I'm alright, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm excited. This is, a, this is a fun one for me. I've had lots of different musicians on and everybody is so different in the music field. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I can imagine. Now before we jump into the meat and potatoes, I have a couple quick rapid fire questions for you. Sure. Favorite genre of music? Oh, uh, punk rock. <laughs> what do you? What would you say is your favorite thing about yourself? Oh, uh, uh, good dad. Oh, I love that. What do you think is the best gift that you've ever received? Um, uh, f- probably. Uh, I mean, probably my kids again. Like, you know can't top having kids yeah yeah now i'm gonna flip that question around what do you think's the best gift that you ever gave um (laughs) that's a tough one i don't know i'll have to skip that one for now okay okay do you have a favorite quote if you do what is it i i don't (laughs) uh like quote that i've done sure (sighs) tough one um tough questions um i don't i don't really have a quote um i'll have to think about that one too okay okay if a movie ever gets made about you which i think would be an incredible movie but if a movie gets made about you who would you want to play you in the movie oh um interesting i uh you know i i've always liked um Maybe Michael Sarah, isn't he Canadian? I think so. Yeah, that that would be cool. I think because he has like, you know, I can be awkward at times. I know that <laughs> he he can be. Uh, he plays a good awkward role. Okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of tattoos. I love tattoos. Uh, I have a few myself. I'm curious, what's your favorite tattoo that you've ever seen, either on you or on somebody else? I have I have a bunch too. I I get them done. A lot of mine done by Chris McDonald at Under My Thumb Tattoos in Toronto. And he's done a bunch. I have this gorilla, uh, face of a gorilla on my shoulder that he did for me. And with a, um, you know, an army helmet on, which is basically a tattoo um, from when we went to the Congo in 2004. Mm-hmm. So we saw some silverback gorillas there. We also almost got killed in a war. So this tattoo that you did for me was like a commemorative tattoo from when we went to the Congo. It's kind of a mix between the gorillas that we saw and the guy Chuck with the helmet on and cigar that Chuck saved our lives. Um, so it's kind of like a, a mismatch of a tattoo. I, I, I love this one. He did a good job on this as well. Wow. I, uh, I might ask you about that story a little bit later, but for right now, I'm curious how you almost got killed. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring that up a little bit later. Okay? No, no problem. <laughs> um, moving on to the next segment, this or that, I'm going to give you two options. You got to pick one or none. 
Sure. Audiobook or podcast? Oh, uh, none. Okay. <laughs> hot or cold weather? Oh, hot. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Tea. Morning or night person? Night. Tacos or burgers? Tacos. Pancakes or waffles? Neither. Okay. Salad or soup? Uh, probably soup. Apple or Android? Apple. Introvert or extrovert? Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> okay. And uh, the big popular one on this podcast is pizza or pasta? Oh, God, that's a tough one. Uh, I'd probably go with pasta. All right, all right. I love it. Now let's jump into it. My favorite, my favorite kind of opening line here is, uh, who are you? What do you do? I am Cone. I play bass in some 41. All right. Awesome. Now, I want to know right from the beginning, how did you get your, your nickname Cone? <laughs> uh, well, our whole band, um, like the original band, Steve, Derek, Dave, and I all went to the same high school in Ajax called Exeter High School. Uh, we all met in ninth grade from other elementary schools. And we quickly became friends because we all were in bands. Like I was in like a grunge band. Derek was like in a grunge band. Dave was in a metal band. Steve was in a different band. We all became quick friends because we were musicians and we, our bands would play together um, at little basement shows around town. And uh, every, every lunch hour um, at school, I really wouldn't eat. I wouldn't bring lunch to school. I wouldn't buy lunch at the cafeteria. I would just go buy an ice cream cone from the freezer at the cafeteria every day. <laughs> so Derek one day said, you know what? You eat so many goddamn ice cream cones. I'm just going to start calling you cone. And, <laughs> and that's it. And now and I'm stuck. 43 years old, still being called cone. <laughs> wow. That is hilarious. That's awesome. And I have to know this, right? I know you mentioned you, you've been playing music for a very, very long time. Right. How did you kind of get started in music? Um, well, when I was about 13, going into ninth grade, um, going into high school, I lived in this court in Ajax and a friend next door to me, who's one of my best friends to this day, had bought a, had a guitar that he was just starting to strum along on. And my other best friend across the street in the court also had had gotten a guitar somehow. And they were starting to like just like play around. And then another friend of mine, Matt, who went on to drum in Avril Lavigne's band, was up the street. And he was a friend of ours. And he was the dr drummer in the elementary school band. So he had just bought a drum kit. And they were like, well, we should start a band. And I was like, well, I want to be in the band. And they're like, well, <laughs> we have two guitars and a drum and some drums. I guess you'd have to play bass. At the time, there was no internet. I, could, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that meant. And so I... I had to buy some magazines, some music magazines and research bass guitars. <laughs> and uh, I ended up begging my mom to b get me a bass guitar. So she took me up to Durham Music. I don't know if you remember that place. Uh, there was a place called Durham Music in Pickering Village. And I, we walked around, but the bass had to look, had to be black and it had to look like I was really into Nirvana at the time. And that's kind of what we were playing as Nirvana songs. And it had to look like Chris's, bass from nirvana and so i saw this one it was about 100 and i don't know 80 bucks it was super cheap 
it was an Eldegas. She bought it for me. Um, I was super thankful. And then that's it. I started playing with my friends. That's all we were doing, just playing all the time. Wow. Well, I'm sure she's uh, she's pretty happy with that decision now. <laughs> yes, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> My mom's what you would call a worry. She's she worries a lot. She doesn't most of the time she doesn't even want to know where I am because she'll worry about the place I'm in. Mm, so she, OK, she likes the she likes the fact that I uh, was a successful musician, but she does not like the fact that I can put myself in uh dangerous situations <laughs> yeah i mean speaking about places i mean you've been all over the world right mm -hmm. so where has music taken you that you never really thought it could take you um you know any anywhere like in asia really like southeast asia you know every time i'm there i'm i'm still kind of like what the hell am i doing here you know whether it's japan singapore we're going to asia in a couple of weeks um playing you know like Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia like all those places are places I would definitely not been able to get to probably had I not been been in this band um you know Japan's one of those places that it's a it's it's so different from North America it's so cool and I'm so glad that I've got to experience Japan you know 25 times or 30 times I've been over there now um it's all those places that are very very different than North America that um thankful that I've got to spend time in. Um, and then there's like, obviously European places that I probably wouldn't have, I, you know, I, I've been to Russia, I've been to the Ukraine. Um, I probably wouldn't have been to those places had I not been in this band. Mm. Is there any place that you haven't been that you want to go? Yeah. Uh, India. Wow. We have, um, what I believe is a pretty big following in India, but we've never, been able to get there and play there i know bands have gone over there I don't, I don't know too many bands that have gone over and played like in our genre but there has been but india is one place that I, i'd like to go play one day but you know we'll see mm, okay and i have to ask you right because you just mentioned so many so many great places if you had to pick like a top three places to to play in what would those places be a hundred percent at the top of the list would be japan um, you know, we have, and then two of our biggest, uh, markets, I think in the world are France and Italy. Um, so those will have to be on the list too, or else I'll get killed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I think, I think those, those two places, France and Italy are definitely our two biggest markets probably in the world. But then I just love Japan. I just love being there. I love playing there. So those, the, I, I'd say those three. Mm. I mean, you know, that, that that's very interesting to me because you didn't say Toronto. You didn't say home, right? <laughs> What's it like playing at home? Well, you know, I, I do love playing at home, but there's a lot of baggage that comes with playing at home. And uh, we uh, we just announced a hometown show for January 30th, 2025. And then we put another one on sale for January 28th. So it's selling really well, and I've, I'm super thankful that people want to come see us in Toronto. But, you know, with family and friends being around in Toronto, it just adds a whole different element to playing at home. Um, it's, like, it's like your wedding day. You know, it's like you, you plan this big thing, but a lot of times you're just worrying about other people the whole time. And mm. worrying about, is everyone having a good time? Um, it, you know, you're, 
you know, it's, it's gotten more mellow through the years though. Like, you know, my parents are pretty self-sufficient now. They just want their passes and they'll figure it out. But there's some other friends, uh, you know, that are constantly hounding you. What am I doing? Where am I going? Where's the, where's the VIP lounge? Where's, where's the after party? You know, it's all that kind of stuff, which I understand. Cause I do that to people too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, like, uh, that's how I'd explain it to you. It's like, it's like your wedding day. You, 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 there's a lot of anticipation for this one day and it's like a whirlwind and you sometimes don't even get to enjoy it till the fullest because you're worried about everything else and yeah. everyone else. Wow. Now, obviously different time now, right? I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that really for a long time, the band has, has reached superstardom, right? When you were kind of on the come up, what was it like playing in the smaller venues? I mean, that's kind of, we did that for so many years. Uh, without, without playing in those small venues, I don't think we could have become what we became because we had to kind of, we had to be shitty for a while and we had to we had to learn from our mistakes and we had to learn how to put on a good show and you know put together a proper set list and and have proper gear to play on um so all those shows that we were doing around toronto and even when we got signed we were doing the same and even smaller shows in the u.s in a van for so many years uh i think that's it's integral to any young band to do that because you know the the whole notion of like cutting your teeth is real like you have to get out there and play and play and play and that's what we did we played so much all the time to five people 15 people sometimes we get 50 people um, but it didn't matter we just wanted to play all the time and it didn't matter how many people were there and who we were playing for and what band we were opening for we were just playing all the time we loved to play and <clears throat> it was uh, it was a big part of our career and a big part of who we became wow now, I'm curious because, you know, you talked about set lists, right? And uh, how do you and I guess the band formulate a set list and, and what kind of variables go into that? Most of the time, you know, Derek has an idea. You know, so, so, you know obviously we're going to play the big songs that people know. Singles, most of them make the, make the set list. Um, then there's things like when new songs come into the come into the fold like we have a new album we've released two singles and so we're probably we're gonna put those in somewhere you have to find a good spot for those it's kind of like you want it to be a little bit of a journey like you kind of want to start strong you want to end strong but you also don't want to bore anybody through the middle so there's uh yeah there's a lot of like it's like tetris <laughs> you know it's like so you, you try something one day and then you finesse it the next day. And then you, for us, we we're constantly kind of like tweaking a set list, maybe a week, almost two weeks into a, into a tour sometimes. Mm. Um, and some audiences are different than others. Some audiences will love this one song one day, the next day you're in a different country and they don't really even know that song. So it's yeah. kind of tricky. And, you know, a lot of, there's other things like tunings of songs. Like if, you know, if we're in drop tuning uh, for a song, then maybe we play a bunch of drop tune songs back to back. So we're just in that one tuning. So there's a lot of variables that go into set lists all the time. Now, I'm curious because I know lots of artists have their own opinions on this. Are you a fan of covering other bands and other artists songs? Yeah. Um, I mean, not I wouldn't put a ton of covers in a set, but yeah, I like. 
I like going to a show when, and bands cover songs. Um, and we've always covered songs. Like recently we were covering Rage Against the Machine. We've covered Queen for a long, long time. We used to cover the Misfits. So yeah, we've always kind of had a cover in our in our set. And even back to uh, pre, uh, before we even have any had any albums, uh, we always used to do like cover medleys. Like we would do verse chorus verse chorus of like different songs back to back to back to back, like all covers um, for like five minutes. So we've always kind of done it. And I like I said, like I like going to see a show whether it be whoever, like a punk band in that they throw in like a, a little cover, it's always kind of cool. Cause you know, you always make it your own too. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. And, and uh, kind of with you saying that, have you been to a show and have they covered one of your guys' songs? Uh, yeah, only like, you know, I, I remember being in, you know, you go see, uh, you go see cover bands sometimes. Yeah. And they'll, yeah. and they'll do that. I, not like a professional touring band. I've never really seen that before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember being in Singapore once and at a bar and there was a band playing and they were playing originals, but they're also playing some covers and then they, they played in too deep. And mm -hmm. I think obviously they knew we were there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That must be, uh, that must be crazy, right? Because you know that they're kind of playing it for you and, and what what's kind of like what what's your opinion on that when you hear you know the first kind of little bits of it and you realize it's your song do you go to like i'm intrigued to how they're gonna do this so you just kind of like i hope you don't mess it up <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean it's it's always interesting to hear other people's take on it and obviously no one sounds like derek so it's always going to sound a little different um, in too deep, a little bit easier to pull off. It's always interesting when people will try like fat lip though, because there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Um, that's always a trick. That's always a trickiest song. Like people have asked us to play a fat lip, like with them, um, you know, cover bands or whatever, or um, different charity events or something. Be like, let's do fat lip. And I am always, I always try and like maybe steer away from that because it is a, it's harder than people think. And with all the hip hop stuff and the verses, hip-hop stuff in the in the bridge it's it really needs to be pulled off properly to sound good <laughs> so i always i was like you know that's maybe not fat lip let's do in too deep or still waiting or the hell song or something you know i try yeah. not to do fat lip with other people unless unless i've heard them do it and, and it's proper yes yes and i'm kind of curious here but before a show starts and maybe even during do you still get nervous and and I assume not, but let's wait in here. Uh, is there a time that you, you kind of figured out how to curve those nerves? Yeah, not so much nervous. I get anxious. Um, I get fidgety and I get, yeah, I kind of, I guess the adrenaline s starts pre-show. And there is there is some times when you, you get a little bit of nerves. Like, you know, I'm sure when we have our last shows of our career coming up in Toronto, I'm sure I'll be nervous about that because, not nervous to play, but nervous of the emotions I'm going to have uh, of it being the last show in front of our family and friends. Um, so I'm anticipating I'll be a little bit nervous about that one. And then also, you know, we're playing Paris, the biggest show we've ever headlined in our career for 35,000 people next year as well. That one might be a little bit of nerves as well, just because that's a lot of people to have to entertain, you know? So 
Yeah, I mean, most of the time though, it's not really being nervous. It's more like I said, like you're you're anxious. Mm, yeah. And what's your what's your kind of pre-show routine? Um, you know, I kind of, we kind of uh, we warm up. We have we have our guitars and basses backstage. Um, used to do a lot of stretching. I don't really stretch as much anymore, but uh, I've changed that a little bit. Vocal warm ups do do some of that. Um, you know, we all have the set list backstage, so we're kind of talking about certain things, segues into songs and getting that dialed in. You know, even though we know what we're doing, we kind of go over it again. Um, so it's it's mostly just warming up on our instruments, and um, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. What's been the biggest malfunction, either through technology or through equipment, that you've had in the show happen? Yeah, I mean, we we had the sound guy um that would 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 make everything so loud in the pa that the the pa would just go out so we'd be playing and the whole pa would just drop out um so that kind of always sucked (laughs) Um, and the thing is with our band is we don't have any stage volume like we we're all direct like you know everyone all the guitar players use kempers i don't know if you know it's just um they're uh, it's a profiling amplifier and then I use a DI with a sans amp. So there's no stage volume. So if we drop out through the PA, that means it's just drums plowing through. Like <laughs> you won't, you wouldn't hear an amp um, because everything's direct signal. So that's, it's kind of sucks when that would happen. Um, I mean, there's, there's like the typical stuff, like, you know, you're, we, we all use guitar wirelesses. We use in-ear monitors. So there's been time to time where someone's guitar or bit in my bass will just be gone because um, the wireless connection is not very good and the in-ear monitors are wireless too so most bands use in-ear monitors now and wireless guitars so there's a lot of frequencies going on at like festivals and that'll just happen from time to time wow wow now you kind of touched a little bit on this uh when you're talking about you know cutting your teeth if if you had to talk to you know emerging artists what's what's some tips that you would give them i think going back to what i was saying about playing a lot you know i I feel like some new bands nowadays um and i that i've run into don't want to get out on the road and just like slug it out and play and play and play because people no one wants to play in front of five people like we used to um i think that's a big thing i think it's wrong to have that mentality so my advice uh, to young bands is always just play. Like if, if, if you get offered a show at this club, go play. Like just because it's different, even if there's five people in the audience, it's, it's different. Uh, it just feels different being on a stage with, with monitors and playing in this club, even, even if there's five people, then practicing in your basement or practicing at a rehearsal space to no one. It just, it, it just is. And so you just need to do it and and learn and get better in that environment rather than just in a basement, because I don't know how to explain it. It's just it's just a different kind of feeling, even if there's two people in the audience at the club that you just have to you have to just play and play and play. It's that's the biggest advice I would give is like, don't worry about I mean, social media has become such a big thing now that people more rely on that. There'll yeah, be, there'll be people with. 200,000 followers on Instagram, but they've only played three shows. Mm. Like that kind of mentality, it, it kind of bugs me a little bit. It's like, 
Well, once you go play your first couple shows to your followers that you've gained, you're going to be a shitty band because you know you haven't you haven't you haven't put in the time live to get good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of brings me to my next point funny enough. It, it was about social media. I mean, how much do you think social media plays a part in you know, growing a band, growing a following, growing, you know, uh, really people that just love you and your music. Yeah, I think it's an added tool. Um, I still think the live show is is the most important thing. You have to be good. People pay money to come see you. You better be good. Um, social media is just an added bonus, I think. Like we were doing stuff like this, uh, what social media is now and YouTube and all that stuff. We were doing that stuff in the 90s uh, before this all existed, but it was just harder for us because, you know, we would videotape everything we did on camcorders. So that's one thing that was difficult because we had these camcorder tapes everywhere. And then we'd have to physically go get these videos made on VHS and hand them out at our concerts. So people are walking around with VHS tapes of us. Um, So now at YouTube, it's much easier to just put videos up online um as for like instagram facebook yeah i i think it's just it's just the it's the bonus it's not i would never look at a band and be like we just need to be big on it on instagram we just need to be big on social media that is something that you do to promote your band but at the end of the day you're gonna you're gonna as a band you have to go play and if you have to get good at playing and that's it and if you if you have all these followers but you're a shitty band then it's it's not gonna work Mm. now do you think that uh the social media almost gives like a false sense of security um i think i think it's uh, i think people bands could i mean bands are getting signed uh just on their social media presence alone so in a way maybe uh it gives like this um i don't know false sense of security but maybe like a uh, false sense of worth. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, I think people look at it like, well, if they have 250,000 followers, all these people are going to buy their records and all these people are going to go to their shows. But like I said, those, some, some of those people might go to the shows, but if, the, if they haven't played live before and they haven't developed this live show, those people aren't going to come back. Yeah. Cause it shows them. So it's like one of those, it's, I don't know. Like I, I, I think that social media is an important aspect. Um, but like I said, I think it's like the secondary aspect. I don't think it's the first thing I would focus on as a new band. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys have been in this a long time, right? Like how has the music industry changed? Like you even mentioned like VHS tapes, right? All the way from probably Sony Walkmans to now everything's basically on streaming services. Yeah. How how has this changed and impacted the way that, that you guys perform, make music, everything. Yeah, it's changed quite a bit. We kind of got signed. We got signed in 99. So it was kind of the the end of an era, so to speak, because Napster was kind of coming in um, or was in. People were still buying albums at stores. People were buying CDs. Bands were selling millions of albums, CDs. Um, so, you know, through through our career, we've seen a lot change. Some good, some bad. Like I say, like, I love YouTube because you can you can put up your own videos. It kind of killed obviously MTV and much music, mm-hmm. um, but it's just easier just to be able to put up your own videos on this on this channel. Um, 
the buying albums like I'm still like I went out yesterday and bought five records on vinyl. Um, so I I'm of the I guess I'm of the old school that <laughs> I still go out and buy records. And, you know, I do have a Spotify membership as well. So I still use Spotify and I think Spotify is great. It doesn't sound as good, obviously. I'm, I'm really into sound. So but just for convenience of hearing songs, if I'm on the bus or I'm in a, on a plane or if I'm you know, just doing things around the house, I'll sometimes I'll put on Spotify. Most of the time I put on a vinyl record. But so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of both, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not all of for the new stuff and I'm not all for the way it used to be. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. And yeah, I mean, like you said, like it has changed drastically since we've been a band. Um, but that that's, it's like everything, everything's going to evolve. And, uh, you know, it evolved from the nineties, from the sixties, you know, from yeah. eight track and vinyl and then vinyl went out and the tapes came in and then CDs and then vinyl's back now. So it's like, everything's evolving all the time and you just have to kind of navigate your way through the changes. Now, in terms of being like an artist, you know, how are the streaming services treating you guys, right? I've heard about pennies on the dollar, not even, you know, fractions of pennies on the dollar. What's it actually like? Yeah, it's, it's not a lot. Um, and I, I'll just keep going back to the live shows because there's more reason for your band and our band to be good live because you don't get paid on streaming services. Like it's, it's, it's nothing like you're not going to make a living even as the biggest, even if a biggest band in the world, you, you make a, you make some money on streaming, but it's not a lot. So you won't make me. So you got to be good live because that's, that's how bands survive is selling t-shirts and playing shows. And if you're not good live, then you're not going to survive because you cannot rely on, I have 5 million listens on this song on Spotify. Well, that's nothing. <laughs> that doesn't, that's not going to do anything for you. Yeah. That's crazy. Now I want to, I want to take a step away here before we kind of jump into some more stories and band life. I want to know, I want you to kind of talk to me a little bit about Cones Cave. Hmm. What is that? How'd that get started? You know, everything about it. Yeah, that, that was an idea I had in the mid 2000s. Um, there was a Toronto DJ on 102.1 The Edge named Dave Bookman. People call him Bookie. And he unfortunately has passed away uh, yeah. a couple of years back. But him, he used to bring me on his show in the mid 2000s and do interviews. And one day after an interview, he said, you know what? This is so great. You should actually just come on my show every week and we'll do like he called it cones corner we'll do cones corner we'll just talk about what's happening with you guys and what what you like in music and what you want we'll play some songs of bands you like and i was like yeah yeah it's really cool but at the time you know i think this was around when chuck came out we were just so busy i just didn't have much time to do anything we were on the road constantly so that idea kind of just went away and during the pandemic i obviously had more time, <laughs> lots of time. And uh, I just revisited, re revisited the idea and made a demo of what I thought the show should be and sent it around and 94.9 The Rock in Oshawa picked it up, loved it. And I've been doing it now for about a year and a half. And so uh, I'm, I'm happy with it and I, I love doing it. I have guests every week, so you know, I'll bring punk rock guests on, metal, garage rock, indie rock, anyone, any bands that I like, I try and reach out to and bring bring 
guests from that band on. So it's really cool. Do you think you're going to be able to continue to do this, you know, while you're touring, while new albums come out? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing it the whole time uh, we've been touring. What I do is I just bring a little micro, I just bring a microphone and my a little um, interface on the road. I just do it from my hotel rooms or dressing rooms, wherever I am. Wow. So there's just no excuses. You just find a way. I find a way and it's all pre-taped. So, you know, I, I, I could tape it on a Monday and it airs on the Sunday or I tape it on the Thursday and it airs on the Sunday. You know, there's a little mm. bit. And do you have lots of local bands or is this all over the world? Yeah. So what I do on the show is, you know, my guest that I have the first certain week would be pro- probably a guest that some people like in the punk community would know. Um, but I do a segment on the show called Found in the Underground, and that's where I uh, play a band that probably people have never heard of. And that's something mm-hmm. that I've discovered or someone has sent me, or these bands, these underground bands have been sending me demos like, hey, check out my band. And so I listen to stuff from these unknown bands, and if I like it, it'll go on that segment that week. Wow. And have you had somebody from that segment, Found in the Underground, kind of emerge up and be either a rising band or a real prominent figure yeah there's a band from montreal called no bro and i had them on i think they're on my first ever episode and i'd known about them through ian from billy talent who's one of my best friends he showed me them one day and i had them on my first cones cave episode and they've they've become you know I, i they're not huge but they've become more of a name um around canada so no bros one um who else have I had on? There's been a couple that, you know, that uh, that's been surprising me lately, like that I had on like a year ago and they've they've been getting some more traction lately. So it's cool to see. And I'm not saying that's from me. <laughs> that's that's just because they're good bands. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Now, I, I do kind of want to uh, revisit, you know, what's the lifestyle like? Right. You talked about lots of travel. You know, what is the lifestyle like for you? I mean, obviously, I'm sure it's changed. Has it changed, I guess, is a good question, over the years? Uh, yes and no. I, yeah, I mean, I think part of the tra- the exhaustion that we felt in our 20s, um, touring a lot, and we did tour a lot. Uh, in 2001, we did 300 shows. Uh, you know, when we were younger, we were, we, we thought of ourselves as invincible. And I guess in a way we were, cause we were in our twenties and we could bounce back from anything. Now we're in our forties. And I think part of the exhaustion that we experienced in our twenties was, was put on by us <laughs> because we were partying too much and we would stay up to all hours of the night, even though we had an early flight or we had to play the next day. So I think nowadays, I wouldn't say that we're a boring band, but things have tapered off a little bit. Like, you know, I'll have some red wine at night now instead of half a bottle of vodka. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Derek's sober now. Dave rarely drinks. Our drummers, Frank, rarely drinks. Tom drinks minimally. So I think in that aspect, it's just gotten easier to maintain because we're, we're just we're just better. We're just nicer to our bodies. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked you about the, you know, the pregame show, or I guess, you know, the pre-show, what's the post-show? I know you mentioned uh, after parties, but I'm curious, is there something you guys do as, you know, it's very habitual that you guys do for a post-show? Um, I mean, 
in our younger years, it was mostly an after party and we'd have people back and we'd have people on our bus and we'd have people in the dressing room or we'd be going to a bar or wherever we'd be going. We'd be going to have fun. We'd be going to get drunk somewhere. Mm. Um, now it's like I said, like, you know, if we have, if we have, a, if we have guests now, you know, we'll have a couple of drinks with our guests after or not a couple waters, whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, it's never like a, a, a cut and dry kind of thing. Like it's never, we always do this one thing after the show. It's every city's kind of different. We rarely go to bars after a show now, especially if we have a uh, show the next day. Like we're all pretty cognizant of what we're doing the next day now. Whereas in the earlier days, none of us knew what we were doing the next day. <laughs> we would just, we would get a knock on our bunk curtain and be like, you guys are playing in an hour or, you guys have an interview in 20 minutes and you know, stuff like that. Now we're a little bit more, we kind of look ahead. <laughs> we're a little bit more responsible maybe. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and, and how is the sleep? Do you find that your sleep is destroyed when you're traveling? I kind of get used to it. You know, sometimes when we've been on tour for so long, um, I sleep really well on the bus. And then when I get home, I have trouble sleeping because I'm so used to the bus. Um, like the engine, the movement, everything that I'm used to has now stopped <laughs> at home. And now I'm hearing kids whine and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> scream <Yeah>. and fight. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't find, um, I don't find sleeping on the road a, a huge issue. Um, again, like in the earlier days, it was tougher because people would be up late and you'd be hearing stereos and yelling and laughing and, now everyone's a little bit more quiet in the bus, a little bit more respectful of everyone. Uh, so, yeah, I don't find it too hard to sleep on tour. I'm trying to wrap it up here. I got so many things I want to ask you, but I'm not trying to pepper you here. So I'm trying to trying to make it interesting, but also get information. Sure. Um, who, you know, obviously the, the main band members, but who else is a part of your team that, that you'd consider, you know, close? That's usually with you, if not always with you. Uh, you know, it's it, it all of them really because you know in the early van days, um, it was always Derek and I sharing a hotel room. Um, we don't we were you know when in back in his you know when he was drinking and stuff like that. And it's not not to say that he's not drinking anymore, but you know him and I we spent a lot of time together. We go out a lot. We shared hotel rooms together, um, and we still like we still hang out on tour now. It's just obviously different. Um, Tom and I really spend a lot of time together. We go out for a lot of, uh, walks on days off and we'll have dinner together quite a bit. Same as Zumo and, and Dave, Dave likes to do kind of his own thing on tour. Um, he likes, which is cool. Like I, I respect alone time. Like there's a lot of times where I want alone time, but I travel with Dave cause Dave's, um, you know, he lives close to me so we're we're the only canadians in the band so we're always traveling together so we spend a ton of time together uh so yeah it's just it's just kind of everyone uh in the band like we all have our moments to uh hang out and it, you know on these long tours it's it changes all the time sometimes i'll spend you know i'll have dinner with tom consecutive days in a row but then i won't have dinner with him for like a week it's just <laughs> you know and it's nothing to do with like it's not like i don't want to, or he doesn't want to. It's just like, okay, well now I just don't want to even go out for dinner or, you know, you need, you need some space and tours drag on and you need, uh, you need your alone time sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, I, I, I want to know about this story about how you guys almost got killed. <laughs> can, can, you, can you touch on that? For sure. Um, this was in 2004. We, were, uh, we got together with War Child Canada. We wanted to do something um, in the charity realm of things. And we were hooked up with War Child Canada. And there was ideas floating around about uh, whether we're just going to give them a song for an album or do a benefit concert or something. And they suggested we go to the Congo and do a documentary because there had been a civil war there. There was a ceasefire at the time, but there had been a civil war there that over 3 million people died in. It was, a, it was the Rwandan genocide. So we kind of looked into that and um, decided, okay, well, let's go to the Congo. There's a ceasefire. There's no war at the time. And I mean, it's a, it's a long story and you can actually see the documentary on YouTube. It's called Some 41 Rocked, uh, Some 41 in the Congo. But to make a long story short, while we were there, we were interviewing ex-soldiers that had fought in the war and a lot of them were kids, literally kids. Um, and we were interviewing rape victims, women that had been raped. And it was a really uh, heart-wrenching uh, moment. And while we were there, I guess we were like eight days in or seven days in, <clears throat> some general tried to cross the border into Rwanda from Congo and was denied access or something. And then he came back with his troops and started firing at the border, which made everything else around the Congo tense and all these rebel groups got involved. And then obviously the Congolese army got involved and the UN, the UN peacekeeping, uh, you know, UN peacekeepers were there and they got involved and a big war started back up and we were in our hotel and we were kind of trapped in our hotel for a day and a half uh, with bombs exploding around our hotel, helicopters overhead, um, you know, stuck in two rooms. There was 40 people in the hotel altogether and we were pushed into two, two rooms and this guy named Chuck Peltier, who was Canadian, is from Victoria, happened to be at, staying at the hotel as well. And he was a UN peacekeeper. And he kind of took everyone under his wing and, you know, kind of uh, basically just like he, he coordinated an evacuation plan and got in touch with the UN and got tanks there um, and basically uh, got us out of that hotel into the UN compound and, you know, single-handedly basically saved our lives because that's some and you know that hotel got raided by rebels you know the next day so had we still been there you know definitely the women that were there would have probably been raped and us men probably would have been killed so wow. he uh yeah he um he saved our life that day and then we that's we named the, the album after him chuck and uh yeah then we got evacuated on a little little plane out to um uh, not Rwanda, uh, in Tebe. And so, yeah, that's, that's the story. That's the short story of that, but it's a longer story, but you can watch the documentary on YouTube. Wow. That's crazy. That's, that sounds, yeah. I can see why you have a tattoo about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Now, uh, obviously we're getting tight on time. I have, uh, three questions. I ask every one of my guests, uh, the first one, what three qualities do you possess that make you successful? Uh, the drive to, to try and be my best. If we're talking band, uh, I try and be friendly and courteous to people. And I try and 
uh, listen. Mm. I love that. And that's love- not always been the way. <laughs> so I, I've gotten better at all three of those things throughout my life and my career. Okay. Now, if you could go back in time, what is something you would tell your younger self? Um, to don't sweat the small things. I mean, this is all like cliche stuff, but this is real life stuff. You know, it's like, I used to worry about so many little things when I was younger, um, that probably didn't even matter. And I get myself, you know, bent out of shape on certain things. And now I just kind of like, you have to look at the whole picture of things sometimes. And I I think I'm getting better at that as I get older, just not to sweat the small things, just look at the big picture. Mm, okay okay and uh what is something you do every day that you are proud of uh i mean i i have to go back to being a father you know proud that i'm able to juggle doing this band and being away but also coming home and trying to be a good father and i think i am and uh yeah i'm pretty proud about that yeah that was something i i wanted to ask you i know we're tight on time so i'll let you uh you know kind of make it quick or make it long you know how, how has your life obviously changed in the band now not now but being a father uh, as opposed to not being a father like what roles have you delegated taken on stuff like that yeah it's changed quite a bit because you know you you, you miss things like birthdays and uh you know this this year I'm, we're away for easter we're in mexico playing so yeah you end up missing all these um landmark things and so you have to kind of in my mind you have to kind of make it up somehow and so when i'm home i try and be like really on and try and be like a good parent and try and do stuff with my kids and you know um so it's just it's changed and it's it's one of those things that you know i wouldn't change for the world like i i love my kids and i love playing in this band it's just you have to find the way to juggle it and um it's tough it's there's no there's no like rule book about this (laughs) you know you just have to find it for yourself and and um you know it's 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 pretty amazing though because my kids love what i do too my son loves the band he loves imitating the band he plays drums he plays guitar and he loves coming to the shows he plays with us in sound check so it's all these little things that kind of make it worthwhile too you know yeah. Cool. yeah, I love that. Thank you for coming on. Uh, do you have any questions for me? No, no, I think I'm good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Where can people find you? Because I know, I know we only touched on, you know, some of the stuff. You do all kinds of other things, music producing and, and, and all kinds of stuff on your own as well. So where can people find you and get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, Instagram, um, official Cone McCaslin. And I also have a website that I, I kind of made so people could see what I'm doing with Sum 41, but also outside of Sum 41 as production. That's just conemccaslin.com. Awesome. Thank you very so much for your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. I really, really do appreciate you taking your time and listening to this podcast. Once again, just a quick reminder, please do like and subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And like the Facebook page and also like the Instagram page as well. And don't forget, subscribe to the YouTube channel and the TikTok as well. 
Thanks again, guys.